0: Welcome to Waste Away, the intermittent fasting podcast. If you want to learn how to lose weight for life through intermittent fasting, burn fat, heal your thyroid and autoimmune issues, and break the bondage of food, then this podcast is for you. I'm Chantel Ray, author of Waste Away: The Chantel Ray Way, and each week I have different guests answering your questions. If you haven't had a chance to pick up your copy of Waste Away, visit chantelrayway.com/podcast and you'll automatically get 20% off the book, audiobook, recipe book, coaching and inner circle facebook group remember the thoughts and opinions in this podcast do not constitute medical advice hey guys aaron here before we get started i just wanted to remind you that you can find our full podcast episodes on our youtube channel not only do you get to see Chantel and our guests but you also get to see any charts graphs or pictures that we may mention search Chantel ray way on youtube or click the link in the show notes well, we're so excited. Welcome to this week's episode. And today's guest throughout his practice and his New York Times bestselling books, Dr. Joel Furman, has helped thousands of people lose weight permanently, reverse chronic disease. And we are so excited to have you on the show today.
1: Oh, thank you. Great to be here.
0: Now, I know you've been on the Dr. Oz show. How was that?
1: Great. I've known Dr. Oz since medical school. We went to medical school together back in the, you know, I guess, 1980s.
0: Oh, my gosh. That is so cool. And not only I know that you're an expert on nutrition and just healing your body, but you're quite the athlete. I heard that you placed third in 1976 in the uh, skating championship.
1: I was third in the world in pairs skating with my sister.
0: Oh, my yeah. gosh.
1: That's a different lifetime.
0: <laughs> well, that is awesome. And I know that you've been doing this for, you know, over 25 years now, but how did you get started in medicine and nutrition?
1: Well, I went to medical school because of my love of my passion for nutrition and the realization that people are committing suicide with food. And mm-hmm. I wanted to offer people the option and the I wanted to occupy that space where people could be told they don't have to be sick. They don't have to have diabetes. They don't have to have heart attacks. They don't have to have strokes. They don't have to get demented. And that nutritional excellence is a hundred times more effective than medicine for treating people, for fixing people and getting them well again. Matter of fact, drugs don't get you well again. They just treat people, keep them sick their whole life. They stay on blood pressure medications their whole life with blood pressure problems. They stay on diabetic medications their whole life. They're not rid of their diabetes. They don't get rid of the rheumatoid arthritis or multiple sclerosis or lupus or asthma. With nutritional excellence, people make complete recovery. They don't have asthma anymore. They don't have MS anymore. They don't have psoriasis anymore. Their diabetes is gone and I And I I was into this in my teenage years and through my competitive skating career early in my, um, you know, and after I left the skating world, I was very interested in this. So I decided to go back to medical school and pursue this interest of mine for a career.
0: That's awesome. And I know you talk a lot about the new – about the food pyramid and how it's your food pyramid looks a lot different than the classic food pyramid. And it's all about eating the foods that have high proportion of nutrients to calories. So what are your some of your favorite foods that fit this proportion?
1: Well, I mean, first of all, I always say that We've discovered the, we've discovered how we can wipe out cancer already. We have the information. It's always like we've landed the man on the moon already, except that. And the same thing is true here with cancer. We don't have to have breast and prostate and colon cancer. We've landed. You know, we know the answer, but people don't like the answer. What we found, they're looking for a different answer, and they want a magic pill they can take to still smoke three packs a day and still not get lung cancer. And that, that's fairy tale. You can't eat hot dogs in and hamburgers and french fries and soda and, um, and ice cream and honey and maple syrup and white flour and not get cancer. It's Just never gonna happen. So it's not, it's not gonna be that you're gonna invent a pill that can prevent cancer. We have to eat, have to eat the right foods that are geared for that, that. That are designed to arm the body with the right phytonutrients to prevent cancer. So the answer to your question is I have an acronym called G-BOMBS. G-BOMBS, G-B-O-M-B-S. It stands for those foods that show the most powerful association with the ability to fight off cancer if people eat them regularly. And they are greens and beans and onions and mushrooms and berries and seeds, G-BOMBS. And, and actually we're doing a study now at Northern Arizona University. I have a nutritarian research office there. And we recruit thousands of women who are pledging to eat G-bombs every day and follow a nutritarian diet as a means of protecting themselves against later life cancer and dementia. And so we've got a great study going on and people could join that study, they can go to, um, I'm the president of the Nutritional Research Foundation. It's a nonprofit, um, who's a nonprofit whose mission is to fund these research studies to, to prevent and reverse disease through nutrition. Mm. Um, so people can go to nutritionalresearch.org for women who want to learn more about that study or perhaps even joining the study as a participant and enrolling and pledging to eat, you know, you have a month to learn the materials and learn why we're doing this and then you can either opt in or opt out. But then once you opt in, you're expected to stay connected with this group and be followed and and eat the diet and follow it as a means of preventing cancer in your future. So very excited about the research we're doing.
0: Here. I love that. I love that except for I don't like mushrooms. So what if what would you say to someone like me? Would I say, "Okay, I'm I'm really good on all everything, the greens, the beans, the onions, um the berry and the seeds, but I don't like mushrooms." Are mushrooms crucial?
1: Yes, they're crucial. And it doesn't matter what you like. Um I mean, it doesn't really, you know, people's tastes are developed by what they eat in life and their perverted American diet, which has them being sick. And we, I try to explain to them that, number one, we start with small amounts. And with small amounts, you can't even taste them in the dish. If I mm-hmm. put some mushrooms into a soup or into a chili or whatever it is, you wouldn't even know they were there. There's no way you could even tell they were there. And then, mm-hmm. we, and then with time, you have it, you've eaten more.
0: Yeah, if you saute them, they're better.
1: What do you mean by sauteing them?
0: Like sautéing them in in can you sauté them in some olive oil or avocado oil?
1: Well, then you've caused then you've created disease and caused cancer to promote to be spread in your body. Because see, the whole key of a vegetarian diet is not to heat oils, which cause become cause create free radicals and obesity and diabetes and dementia. So when you're cooking things and sautéing them in oil, then you're destroying the value of the food. So we can saute them in water and then put a, fat, a nut-based and seed-based sauce on them. But a nutritarian diet is designed to, to, I should say, to not to leave any of those important parameters not addressed that's going to ruin, destroy people's health, like the use of sprying foods in oil, which is disruptive to people's health. So in other words, um, when you eat a walnut, there's a very different biological effect than eating walnut oil. And you eat an avocado, a very different biological effect for avocado oil. So the walnut, for example, those fat calories are absorbed at one to two calories a minute. When fat calories are absorbed so slowly, the body preferentially burns them for energy. But when you have the oil from the walnut, not the walnut with the fibers in plaque, then the fat calories come in at about 40 calories a minute, and the body has to store it as fat. And once they're stored as fat, they don't come off very easily until you're you know, hours and hours of not eating food. So we're talking about, so who promotes fat storage? Also, when you have the walnut versus the walnut oil, the sterols and stanols, the fibers, bind the fat and carry down to your stool. So all those fat calories don't become biologically accessible. And the concentrated calories in oil stimulate the brain and make people eat more food, want to eat, increase their appetite. So oil ratchets up the apostat. So when you're frying, so th- this is the biggest scam ever perpetrated on the American population that people think that oil is healthy for them. They think olive oil, virgin olive, coconut oil, flaxseed oil. They think these fattening oils at 120 calories a tablespoon are, going to, are, are part of their health program, so to speak. And they're gonna cook these, and they're gonna fry everything they eat. And that's, and most Americans consume between 400 and 500 milligrams of oil a day. And that's the, probably the most powerful factor mm. leading to the obesity epidemic and the fact that people can't lose weight. So let me ask you a question. Mm. I mean, you recognize you can't eat an unlimited amount of calories, right? That, you, that, if, right. that being overweight, fat on the body is becomes, makes a person become insulin resistant, mm. and fat on the body produces more estrogen, which increases the risk of breast cancer. So you recognize that your calories have to be moderated, right? Yes. So at So since we know that in the large-scale epidemiologic studies like the Adventist Health Study Two that higher intakes of nuts and seeds prevent cardiovascular disease and cancer and make people live longer. So you, you need to eat some, some nuts and seeds, and when you eat them with vegetables, they facilitate the absorption of the phytochemicals. So if we know these nuts and seeds are so powerful at protecting cancer, then you can't have the oil plus the nuts and seeds, you're not going to eat the walnuts plus walnut oil, you're not going to eat the sesame seeds plus the sesame oil, because you'll, you'll shoot your calories up. And when you have the nuts and seeds, it ratchets down the apostat, you want to eat less. When you have the oil, it ratchets up the appetite and makes you a food addict wanting to eat more. So you're not going to do both. So which is it? Are you going to make foods with using nuts and seeds as a source of fat? Or are you going to pour oil on your food as a source of fat? So that's that's a critical factor in driving food addiction and overeating behavior and ill health and cancer, is utilizing oil and then cooking with oil makes things even worse. Because when you heat oil up and you start to, you know, then you form rancid carcinogenic compounds. And like even like, for example, one serving of commercial French fries a week, just one serving a week, even the moderate use increases risk of breast cancer by 26%. Mm.
0: So, you know, it's funny, my mom, who is very, very thin, um, she's just gorgeous. But she, one of the things that I just noticed, I didn't even realize this, she just came down for Thanksgiving and she said, do you have any nuts? And I said, yeah, mom, of course I have nuts. And so she goes in my pantry and she's like, I'll take these nuts, but I'm not going to take these nuts. And I was like, why? She said, well, these. So I had some pistachios that were just roasted without oil. Um, And then I had some other that were roasted with oil. Um, so talk about that for just a minute. I guess I'm assuming... Well, you roast the
1: nuts, you lose their protective anti-cancer effects. They shouldn't be roasted at all with oil mm-hmm. or without oil. You should be eating mm-hmm. nuts raw. But you can lightly toast them in the, in the toaster oven for a minute or two without destroying them. So
0: you would say all nuts, eat them lo- raw or roast them in the oven?
1: or Or roast them yourself so they're just partially roasted or toasted to bring out the flavor of an almond roast cashew, you can lightly roast it or toast it, but when you buy them commercially roasted, they roast them too long and darken them and make them too brown. And then mm-hmm. they, they lose their protein, lose some of their beneficial um, properties. The ster- so we're, you know, like for example, when I wok a vegetable dish or, or saute a dish, and I put in cabbage and onions and mushrooms and snow pea pods and water chestnuts and bamboo shoots, I'm gonna mm-hmm. walk that in a quarter cup of water so it's moist. The moisture prevents damage to the food. And then I'm going to add the sauce. Maybe I'll add a, a Thai peanut sauce. I'll use jungle peanuts that are just partially toast a little bit with maybe some dates and hemp seeds and lemongrass and cumin and turmeric. And I'll make a nice sauce for that by whipping in the blender. Then I'll put the fatty sauce on top of the um, the wok the vegetables for a minute or two and flavor them so the so they're not really cooked in the sauce but they were cooked in the water base before i added the sauce and i'll make all these delicious sauces of you know a, a, a fettuccine alfredo sauce made with mushrooms and cas- cashews and you know or i'll make a you know a you know I'll make a million different flavorful sauces but you only have to learn about four or five to have a great variety on your vegetables but the sauces themselves are healthy like you can eat them with a spoon they're all made of wholesome ingredients This is, you know, that's what nutritarian cooking is. So, and then so, and also when a person comes to me as even as a patient, they're overweight, they're diabetic, they have breast cancer, they want to get better. And I say, look, you know, you're not going to make a choice about what you eat or what you like to eat or what you like, because that's what got you in this place where you are now, where you have the diabetes or heart disease or high blood pressure Mm -hmm. or breast cancer let me make the choice about what you're going to eat because and only if you follow what I, my choices and what i tell you to eat can we have the body now get rid of your diabetes and and, and get this prostate cancer or breast cancer reversed if it's, you know so we're going to use these very powerful foods to, to protect the body and get rid of your heart disease but i will guarantee you that within two or three months you will love these recipes you will love eating mushrooms you'll find this burger is the best tasting burger you ever ate because your taste buds get uh, get acclimated to what you get used to eating and your likes are dependent on all the bad foods you ate that are, t- that are hijacking your taste and perverting your tastes. All the sweeteners, all the salts, all the things that you don't think you like and you don't like. You've created those likes and don't likes by the foods you've been fed in your diet. And I'm going to show you that I can create for you different likes and, and and so you'll start to love eating this food if I can get your taste buds stronger and healthier. And what we show people is because I know what people are thinking. They're thinking, oh yeah, you know, eating a lot of vegetables is going to make you live longer, but I'd rather be dead if I'm going to be eating all those. I'd rather eat what I feel like eating and live, and live a shorter lifespan. <laughs> that's, that's the addictive nature of food that takes over the primitive brain and makes you have delu- delusional and irrational thoughts. The bottom line is that it's not worth taking 10 years or 20 years off your life, and that a nutritarian diet is not less tasty and does not take away pleasure, it enhances pleasure. And people love eating this food, but it takes time for the taste buds to get stronger. Actually, when your health improves, your taste and smell improves. I'll bet you I can have you like loving mushroom dishes in about three months time, if you follow some of my recipes, and let me retrain your taste buds. And get you, so you learn, get back in touch with true hunger and start to follow these nutritarium, this nutritarian program.
0: Well, you know, a great example of that is I used to have unsweetened tea with a little bit of sugar, and then I changed it to unsweetened tea with a little bit of sp- like Splenda Um, And then I just said, no, I don't want the, you know, the Splenda and all of that. So I'm going to just drink unsweetened tea just with nothing in it. And so I just trained myself to like unsweetened tea. And now I literally, if you gave me a glass of sweet tea, sweetened with either some kind of honey or Splenda or even sugar, I couldn't drink it. Like I would think it was disgusting. And that was, you know, probably 10 years ago, but now I can't even drink it. So the, what you're saying about training your taste buds, that's a perfect example of how now I couldn't drink unsweetened tea and now I couldn't drink anything but unsweetened tea because I've trained myself to do that. So I think that's a good point.
1: Well, it's, it's the, it's the whole diet because when you take the sweeteners out of your diet completely, then a strawberry tastes sweeter. You start to increase, the discern the flavors in romaine lettuce and cashew nuts have flavors in them. So you're, you've actually reduced your taste buds' ability to taste the fine, subtle different flavors in foods when you add sweeteners like stevia, splenda, honey, maple syrup, even the artificial sweeteners have the effect of dead and taste buds. So it's, the, it's removing the sweetness from your whole diet. And then when we're making an ice cream, for example, or a dessert, maybe we're, we're using um, frozen banana, macadamia nuts, and real vanilla bean powder. You don't need any sweetener. It's, you, you, with less sweetener and just in the frozen banana, it's sweet enough, but you can enjoy the flavors of the vanilla more because you can sense those various flavors and the sweetness of the macadamia nut. Or if you're putting a little, making cocoa powder in there, maybe you'd add a date, but we usually only add one date per dessert serving as the sweetener agent for the whole dessert. Because again, when the sweetening comes with the whole fiber and bioflavonoids, and and you know, and other factors in the in the whole food like a date or a raisin it has a different biological effect. Like I made a cranberry sauce yesterday, and I made it with some dried apricots and um, and an orange and some dried pome- and some pomegranates mixed in. It wasn't you know because because pome- cranberries are very sour, so we used that dried apricot that was crushed in there to sweeten it a bit. But that's the, we're only utilizing that whole food, so it's a completely different way of cooking we're in, in this nutritarian program, and people really. Um, learn to enjoy their desserts and realizing the dessert is good for them, it induces them, it shuts off their calories, desire for calories the rest of the night. They close up the kitchen, they clean their taste, they clean their teeth, and they stop eating for the rest of the night after six or seven o'clock at night. Mm. So the other important thing is not to eat between seven o'clock and bedtime. You need that three or four hour window on an empty stomach to, so your body can maximally heal and repair and detoxify in the non-feeding state. But what I'm saying now is talking about that we're, we're discussing some of the fine points of nutritional excellence, whereas the American diet has been designed to create cancer, obesity, and even the people that are not overweight in America. So we have about 10% of Americans that are not overweight. About 90% are overweight based on a BMI of above 23. So above 23 is where you start to see the diseases start to raise up in all blue zones and all centenarians have BMIs below, 20, below 23. So we're saying here that that's about 10% of the American population. But 8%, 80% of that 10%, or eight out of 10 of those people who are normal weight, are of a normal weight because they're sickly. Because they have, they smoke cigarettes, they're alcoholics, they have depression, they have autoimmune conditions, they have occult cancers, they have digestive disorders, they've got some, in other words, they're usually not overweight because they're sick. So it's only about 2% of the American population is a normal weight because they eat a healthy diet and they exercise regularly. So we, we've really got to change this because we, can, we have the ability to wipe out cancer today and wipe out dementia and strokes and we, and we got to do it. And people have yes. to take advantage of this.
0: Your latest book is called The End of Dieting and I just love this title and I love the concept because I think fad diets are the worst, but tell us a little bit about this book.
1: Well, that's my book that deals most heavily with food addiction and emotional overeating and how bad it is to go on and off various diets trying to lose weight as opposed to adopting a diet to protect you against cancer and dementia and eat that diet for the rest of your life because you don't want to get sick and you want to have a happy and healthy and full mental faculties when you're older. And when you do that, here's what I'm saying. and I'm saying two things. Number one, that um, the only thing ever been proven to slow aging and extend life is moderate caloric restriction in an environment of high micronutrient eating. So we have to have a, a high micronutrient environment. We have to eat a lot of nutrients. So we have to eat foods that are rich in nutrients. But the main point of this book is that when you eat foods that are high in micronutrients, it naturally suppresses the appetite. So you don't have to diet anymore. So, even, so the opposite is true. In other words, the, 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 the only way you can comfortably reduce calories so you don't become overweight is if you flood your body with enough nutrients and enough fiber, so your body doesn't feel like overeating anymore. So this is taking it out of people's equation where they don't have to diet anymore because we're giving them all the right foods and when you eat the right nutrients, when you eat all these anti-cancer foods, now you get back connected with your body's instinctual desire to go after the right amount of calories. So what I'm saying right now is that there are no overweight deer and the squirrels running around the woods. There are no overweight primitive humans on the earth. they are only a recent phenomenon eating processed foods. And overweight people are, are eating because they're food addicts and the food they're choosing to eat makes them overeat. So you either you're emotionally overeating or you're eating outside of the demands of hunger or you're a food addict, you can't become overweight when you're only eating when you're hungry. And so, yes. you, so this puts people back in touch with true hunger. It makes food taste good. And it makes them no longer desirous of eating when they're not hungry because food tastes so much better. They don't feel like eating when they're not, right. when they're not hungry because they're so well-nourished. So the, I'm oversimplifying it.
0: But the no, is. no, you're not. I mean, I, we talk about that. I talk about that in my book about the hunger scale and that asking yourself every single time before you're eating, am I truly hungry or is there another reason that I'm eating this food right now? Um, so you also wrote another book called Fasting and Eating for Health. And, you know, intermittent fasting, you know, that's what my book is, is uh, mainly about. And what are some conditions that you've seen healed or improved over your career by people fasting? And what's your typical eating and fasting
1: schedule? Well, number one, I want to be clearly emphasize. That I don't recommend people fast if they're not already eating a healthy diet. When you mix fasting with unhealthy eating and processed foods in a diet high in animal products, it could make things, it could, you could have bizarre consequences and you can actually damage yourself. So I'm not recommending, so fasting that we, like say a person has lupus or asthma, we usually get them on a health, we get them eating healthfully and getting rid of their food addictions for a few months, flooding their body with nutrients, getting them to lose the excess weight. And then we fast people as, as we're coming off the steroid inhalers and we're getting them to maybe go without inhalers, we'll start to fast them because fasting has a very natural and powerful anti-inflammatory effect and can be the last tweak we need to get them off that inhaler without going back into an asthma attack again. So we sometimes use fasting with people with Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis or, or you know, we're talking about inflammatory bowel disease. And some of these people um, are on two or three days of fasting per month and some, and And some people, you know, initiate when they're going, when they're, you know, we use that for sometimes with autoimmune conditions when the diet itself needs a little extra um, push to get people into remission. But so it's used as a therapeutic modality. Now, intermittent fasting, which which I actually mentioned earlier, which has to do with eating in a narrower window of time, like a 10 hour or eight hour window. So you have that at least that 13, 14 hour window at night of no food coming in. People can't comfortably do that when they're eating an unhealthy diet either, because when they're not healthy, what they think is hunger are the fatigue and shakiness and stomach cramping and headaches and the withdrawal depression from their poor diet. They, and these are not symptoms of hunger. These are symptoms of detox from a bad diet. When you eat so so you can't tell a person only eat when they're hungry, when they're not eating a healthy food, because what they discern as hunger is not hunger. The minute they stop, the body stops digesting food, it's going to feel shaky and weak and start to be irritable, and they want to eat food again. So what I'm saying right now is what most Americans feel as hunger is not hunger. It's a withdrawal from their poor diet, because mm-hmm. the body intensifies its withdrawal symptoms in the catabolic phase when they're not digesting food anymore. However... That's- Once we get people on a diet that's with enough nutrients and with the full spectrum of nutrients humans need, then they lose those symptoms of fatigue or shakiness or headaches or stomach cramping. And then real hunger is felt in the the mouth and the throat, mostly in the neck. And that directs them to the right amount of calories. But it's it's getting back in tune with hunger as a throat and neck sensation and not as a stomach or head sensation. Getting rid of this desire to think that food is gonna make you less tired and give you energy. That's very destructive and incorrect because we don't, we don't need food to, to stimulate ourselves to wake us up. That's, that's, um, food just takes away our hunger. When we're tired, we need sleep, and you're not gonna be, if you're getting fatigued after you eat, digest a meal, then you think you need food to get your energy up, then that's when you're a food addict.
0: Well, I know you're really passionate about your Eat to Live Retreat, and I saw your brochure for it, and it looks incredible. Tell our listeners about your retreat, about this Eat to Live Retreat.
1: You know, I want to give people the tools they need and help them get rid of the obstacles and really make sure they can get a healthy weight for the rest of their life. But you know, and this is obvious, that some people can't do this on their own. And, and so many people have got themselves in dangerous oh. situations, with diabetes, with heart disease, with serious illnesses. And they need a safe place they can come and get, to get the direction and care they need to get totally well. And, and you need time to get rid of food addiction. You know, so we have a, I have a place in um, North of San Diego where people come and stay for a month or two or three. Most people stay eight to 12 weeks actually, like, like the same as when they go to drug addiction centers. And they stay there, they lose 50 pounds. They retrain their taste buds. They get rid of their diabetes completely, but they get rid of their emotional eating habits and we retrain their taste buds and they they get rid of the shakiness and the weakness. The stomach rumbling are gone. They can leave with the tools and skills, both emotionally and the cooking skills, the emotional skills, the intellectual skills, knowing how to make this work and knowing how to make it taste delicious with the recipes they learn to love there. So we send them out. For example, um, Nicole stayed there for three months. She lost 50 pounds. The year she was discharged, she lost another 150 pounds. In other words, she continued to lose at about 12 pounds a month after she went home because now she learned, she got rid of her addictive behaviors and she Mm -hmm. learned how to deal, do this the right way. It's not just what they accomplish when they're there, it's that the recidivism and the lack of the yo-yo dieting were taking care of people to enable them to utilize these techniques for the rest of their life. And for so many people, just imagine these diabetics all these diabetics who are gonna be on diabetic medications the rest of their life. I, want, I have a place where they can come and get rid of their diabetes, not treat it, not control it, get rid of it, so they're no longer diabetic, and, the di- and they're not spending 10,000 extra, $10,000 on medications extra year with diabetes and having the, these hospitalizations linger um, you know, in their future. So what I'm saying right now is that I'm very, very um, excited about establishing this extra program for people who require this to stay in my facility under my personal care with therapists and in a, in a beautiful facility where they can be fed incredibly delicious food from the best soil in the world to deal with their food addictions and transform them and get a complete health transformation so it's really a place for complete health transformations for people who need this and require and and they've learned so much that we can we can get them set them free without that Constant foot, one foot in one word, one foot in each world, yo-yoing their diet and going back and forth with misinformation and confusion, and not knowing what to do. Hey
0: guys, we absolutely love getting your questions into the podcast, but we're also interested in your journey. So if you've started intermittent fasting and have some success or even struggling a little bit, we want to hear about it. Email me your intermittent fasting stories to Chantel at ChantelRayWay.com. Now back to the show. Well, let's jump right into our listener questions. This first one is from Jeff in Florida. My doctor told me my cholesterol is not ideal, it's too high. He's trying to get me to take medication, but I want that to be my last resort. I wanna to try to lower my cholesterol naturally first. I'm 50 years old and I'm in my ideal weight range. What can I do to attempt to lower this without medication?
1: Well, that's right, I mean, that should be the goal. I mean, We shouldn't be using medication because the statin drugs cause weight gain, they weaken, mus- they weaken your muscles, and they make you unable to exercise properly, and they increase the risk of cancer, like breast cancer as well. Increase risk of invasive breast cancer. So, um, you know, people are always looking for a pill they can take instead of changing their diet. And obviously, I have a book called The End of Diabetes, and I have a book called The End of Heart Disease. But any of my books, even the book we're talking about today, The End of Dieting, lays out the nutritarian diet. And what I'm saying here today that a nutritarian diet lowers your, normalizes your blood pressure, it normalizes your blood glucose so you get rid of your diabetes, and it normalizes your cholesterol. In the study that we did on it, we showed that people following a nutritarian diet lowered their cholesterol more than statin drugs did, and it got rid of completely wiped out oxidized LDL, which is the bad, the bad player here in causing heart disease. So that, so that person who wrote in, you know, pick up the book, The End of Dieting or The End of Heart Disease, or go to my website at drferman.com and follow my dietary guidelines and I can guarantee you within six weeks, your cholesterol will usually drop about a hundred points within six weeks.
0: Awesome. All right. Kim in Baltimore, I suffer with psoriasis, which has always been uncomfortable for me, but I'm really freaking out now because I'm getting married in six months. It's worse on my face and very noticeable. Probably like everyone who suffers, my flare-ups seem to be completely unpredictable, which of course means there is a chance that I could flare-up on my wedding day, especially because I will most likely be stressed. Is there anything that can help me control a possible flare-up on that day? I will literally try anything. Kim in Baltimore.
1: No, you can't stop yourself from flaring up a day. What you can do is get rid of your psoriasis so you never flare up again in your whole life. In other words, if you keep eating the way you're eating, you can't control when you're gonna flare up or not, and you're gonna use medications to stop it, and it's gonna suppress the immune system from, and then it's gonna go back and punch back again. So you're gonna be always in that fluctuating, going down and up. But however, we, if, you go to, if you go to the website, you'll see one person after another who got rid of their psoriasis. So we have six months between now and your wedding. And if you follow my program, you know, you're a good candidate to come into my retreat for a few months too, you know, because we'll get rid of your psoriasis with these high nutrient foods and you will be clear for the rest of your life, you won't have to worry about psoriasis.
0: What are some of the foods that you see that, that are most the triggers? What are some of the foods that are high triggers for psoriasis that you've seen?
1: Well, the American diet is now 60% of calories from processed foods. That means foods like pasta, and bread, and mayonnaise, and donuts, and cookies, and rice cakes, and breakfast bars, and chips, and soft drinks, and candy. So we're thinking about these processed carbohydrates that are full of acrylamides, and that promote the production of advanced glycation end products in the body, promote psoriasis. You mix that with 30% of calories from animal products, and the high protein diet on the animal products raises IGF-1, and it's this combination of high levels of IGF-1 which promotes cellular replication and the high amount of circulating est- estrogen and insulin. It's this hormonal pattern of estrogen, insulin, and IGF-1 that promotes psoriasis. And we get, IG- we get these hormones down low and we flood the body with nutrients, we get the high skin carotenoid score, and the psoriasis goes away. We get, in other words, we get the body healthy again, and the body, so it's the same thing with what's wrong, what causes breast cancer. The same diet that causes breast cancer causes psoriasis in people who are susceptible to that. So you know, it's not one particular food, it's the dietary pattern eaten by America. But the most protective foods, of course, are of course the green cruciferous vegetables. We have to arm the protection against psoriasis happens when you arm, it's called the NRF2 transcription proteins. The NRF2 transcription proteins prevent psoriasis and they are activated by berries and by green cruciferous vegetables and by red kidney, you know, so there's a lot, so we're eating all these right, the right um, portfolio of anti-cancer foods that are the immune system. So it's not that simple. It's not like one food out and one food in. It's gotta be a total dietary change to have this healthy diet and it can be solved. But I'm excited that this person has this wedding coming up. It's a great opportunity for her to rid herself of the psoriasis for the rest of their life, for her to get slim, lose weight, look great, get rid of her psoriasis. So we're talking about get onto a nutritarian diet, and you know, you can get on. She can actually um, go to my website and actually join the member center, so she can communicate with me and ask me questions if she wants to to tweak her diet. And we have a, how should I say, a dietary. Um, we have a, a written out dietary program for reversing autoimmune diseases that includes some vegetable juicing to accelerate the rate at which you get rid of psoriasis and multiple sclerosis.
0: All right. This is Parker in Virginia Beach. I just finished a five-day water fast about a week ago. Unfortunately, I felt like total crap for the last three days, and it was almost unbearable. The good news is, is that since I finished the fast, I have noticed a ton of improvement in joint pain that I deal with every day, and my psoriasis on my body is clearing up. To me, that makes the fast worth it, and I want to do it again. Do you have any tips to make a water fast more bearable?
1: Well, it's what we were talking about is that if you're really healthy, when you start the water fast, it won't become unbearable because the detox won't be so, so uncomfortable. So this person has to um, eat healthier and then do a fast. And in other words, if they're breaking the fast and going back to the, pro- the diet that has those problems with it, the benefits of the fast are going to be lost and she'll back and the psoriasis is going to come back again. We want to make it so if you do need to fast to facilitate your psoriasis is getting better, because obviously not eating can help your immune system have less inflammation, less cellular replication. Then, but you want your psoriasis to be permanently gone, not temporarily gone. So it's the, it's the diet that's more important than the fasting. The fasting could put the finishing touches on, the fasting can accelerate the rate at which you're getting results. But if you don't do the right diet, those results are not going to be sustained and the benefits are not going to be maintained.
0: Good advice. Okay, Rosario. She says, I asked my local farmer's market, if their produce produce was organic. And to my surprise, they said no. But isn't all farmer's market produce organic due to the fact that the produce is picked up and brought straight to the market? Rosario.
1: No, whether it's bought in a farmer's market or a supermarket, has nothing to do with being organic or not. Right. Organic is whether the person is, whether the farm is certified and not using pesticides or fungicides or herbicides. So... um, so, the, you know, a lot of most farmers at farmers markets are still using herbicides and fungicides and pesticides. So you have to, you know, you have to seek out those growers are or organic growers at the farmers markets and not just assume anything.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point, because I think I love that question, because it, it is, you know, you you would think. At the local farmer's market, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be putting all those pesticides and, and so forth on it. But it's just not true, and you definitely need to ask. All right, Patty in Tennessee. My daughters both do the ketogenic diet and have had lots of success with it. And they're always ju- bugging me to jump on the bad bandwagon. My hesitation is that I had my gallbladder removed a couple years ago, and when I did, my doctor told me to avoid fatty foods. From my understanding from the keto diet, to be successful, you have to eat a lot of healthy fats. What do you recommend? Patty in Tennessee.
1: Well, we give studies credence because they take large numbers of people over many, over decades and look at hard endpoints like death or cancer. And we know that people on low-carbohydrate ketogenic diets take off many years of their life. So that's a very dangerous diet. So when you restrict all these carbohydrate-restricted diets that are higher in fat and protein are accelerating people's risk of cancer and shorten their lifespan. So they're very dangerous ways to lose weight, very dangerous diets. So, for example, you can snort cocaine or smoke cigarettes to lose weight. You can eat a swinky diet to lose weight. But What gets you a soft endpoint, some short-term weight loss, is not the criteria for what we judge a diet on. That's what I'm talking about, the end of dieting. We're judging our dietary choices based on what makes you live longer and what prevents long-term cancer, long-term dementia, makes you healthy when you're 90 to 100 years old. What makes the end of your life really important, makes you can enjoy it, and you have the most healthy life expectancy. A ketogenic diet is making a pact with the devil. It's saying, you know what, I'm going to get some weight off now, but, I'm gonna, but I don't care if I get cancer 20 years later or if I ruin my life when I'm older. So those diets are exceedingly dangerous. Let me just say one thing here. It's the amount of phytonutrients and fiber you take in in your diet, phytonutrients and fiber that determines your lifespan and your later life health. It's not a matter question of balancing fat, carbohydrate, and protein. And we have long-term studies now on where we follow people in decades following these high protein or high fat or ketogenic diets. And we find that the carbohydrate-restricted ketogenic diets Very, very dangerous with tremendous increase in early life mortality or early life death. Very dangerous advice she's getting from her daughters.
0: All right, Michelle in Columbus. I have a lingering, colder cough that won't go away. I've had it for almost a month. I've tried vitamin C, echinacea, essential oils, basically every natural remedy I can think of and nothing is working. I've hesitated to go to the doctor because I know they're just gonna put me on an antibiotic. How do I know when it's time to go ahead and go? And do you have any other natural remedies that I should try?
1: First of all, for a lingering cough, your doctor is not gonna put you on an antibiotic. He puts you on an antibiotic for pneumonia or some inf- for only things that are bacteria caused by um, bacteria. Antibiotics only work for bacteria, and what you're talking about is some type of detox or allergy or post-viral inflammation. So the doctor would most likely give you a steroid inhaler to deal with the cough, not an antibiotic. I'm not recommending a steroid inhaler. I'm just saying the doctor wouldn't give her an antibiotic; I will give her a steroid inhaler. Number two. She can get rid of this if she follows the anti-inflammatory diet. In other words, she can la- the lungs are an organ of detoxification and she's got too much chronic inflammation in her lung. So she's got to change her whole dietary pro- program if she wants to get well. So I, you know, I, I, I have a book called superimmunity, but the point, the main point here is the same principles we've been talking about through this podcast. These same principles are that these high nutrient foods arm the ability of the immune system to fight cancer. And it's the same fully functioning immune system that helps reduce inflammation and increase your ability to fight against viral infections as well. So this person could have, could have um, allergies or she could have just um, be more, her lung has become more sensitive because it become inflamed after a virus and now it's still, it's still denuded or it's still inflamed. And, and the best thing she can do is do the juice we just talked about and, and get her diet to be 90% of calories from these high nutrient plants so our immune system starts to function to fix her to fix the damage more quickly.
0: All right, awesome. That's all the questions. My last question for you is tell us what you ate yesterday. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner.
1: Well, yesterday was my birthday.
0: Okay, but that's what we want to know. We so, still uh, want to know on your birthday when you're going to splurge, what did you eat? Be honest. Don't I, lie.
1: I ate I, what I did, I, I spent a little more time because I wasn't working and it was my birthday. So I made some like fancier food, you know what I mean? Okay. So, so I made like a, a relish out of like frozen cranberries that I made with like dried apricots and pomegranates. And I put, what else did I put in there? I put a peeled, I bought these um, expensive mandarin oranges in the health food store and I peeled some oranges in there. and I blended up these cranberries with a little bit of date and apricots and I made this delicious relish, you know, um, like cranberry relish. But I had that, and then I, what else did I have yesterday? I had, um, I had a, yeah, I had that, that I had a, a rich, like a, a Chinese Thai wok vegetable dish with that, um, with that um, Thai um, sauce on top for dinner. And I had chocolate, I had a chocolate, um, chia seed pudding at night. I had a chocolate, which was fantastic, a chocolate chia seed pudding, which I love. And then I had- um,
0: Now, do you have that recipe on drfuhrman.com?
1: Oh, yeah, we have. Yeah, I, have I have like 1,500 recipes there. But, you know, I'm always telling people that you could try 100 different recipes, you could try 1,000 different recipes, but you only need to master like four or five great salad dressings that, that you love, love. That you love. And you only need to master like four or five soups that you love. Go through 20 of them and pick out four or five that you love and you can make, because of the wake the one soup, you eat the same soup for five days anyway. You don't make a new soup every night. You know what I'm making? So, but in any case, yeah. So, um, you know, what's funny is that even at my retreat, the, my recipes people love the most and I love the most because we've, tr- we've tested them out over the years. And they get like my Caesar dressing, you know, made with that gets the most five-star rating on the website. It's, it's like when, when, the, when our chefs try to invent their own and tweak it. It doesn't come out as good as just, just follow the recipe that's on the website. It gives you the best tasting dressing. We've been using it for years and this is what the people like it the best. You know what I mean? So it's like they try to make it their own and make their own style of it. And saying let's, let's just, just use mine. It's the, it's the best one you could possibly use. We've tested it over the years already. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well,
0: that is awesome. I made an amazing avocado cilantro dressing this weekend. And I will share that on my website at ChantelRayway.com. If you want to get some of these amazing recipes, go to drfuhrman.com. He's got tons of recipes on there. And Dr. Furman, spell your website for everyone because if they're listening, they're not going to see
1: it. Right. It's, it's D-R-F-U-H-R-M-A-N.com.
0: All right. And if you have a question that you want answered, go to questions at chantalrayway.com. Thank you so much for being on our show today. Dr. Furman, this was an absolute pleasure. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.